Welcome Bible Chapel family. It is always so good when we can come together across all our campuses to worship the Lord together. This weekend, we are wrapping up our series in Movable. And I just want to give you a picture of what's coming next. Next weekend, we're going to have a special service where Ron and I are going to be together. We're going to be together leading ourselves through, through the word together. We're going to celebrate what God has been doing through you, our congregation during the season. It just sets some vision about what's coming up next. So make sure you're here next weekend for a special time of celebrating together. So we're in this season right now, over the past few months, where all of us have been battling this same invisible adversary called COVID-19, coronavirus. And although we're, we're battling the same adversary, we need to understand that everyone is experiencing this time differently. Same adversary, different experiences. For some, your family is healthy. You are doing great physically. For others, you know someone who's been afflicted by the virus. For some of you, your job has go, gone on as normal. You've always worked at home and, and your company's okay, but for some of you, you've been furloughed or let go. For some of you, you're, you're enjoying, you're actually enjoying the break from the daily grind and you're getting time to slow down and spend some time with family. For some of you, you've never felt so alone. Same adversary, right? But man, our, our experiences are very different during this time. There's one thing though we would all agree upon, I believe, is that we desire the same outcome during this period, and that is victory. We desire an end to COVID-19. When we think about that word victory, we seek that in all different type of contexts. For instance, war, right? We seek victory in war. We seek that in athletics. We seek that in business or sales. We seek that uh, just in job opportunities right now, right? The, the victory of landing that job you desperately need. If we're honest, during social distancing, it can get heated at home and we seek victory in family board games, right? I want to win. That's the natural competition in us. And in relationships. See, 13 years ago, I was victorious when I landed Kristen. And she said, yes. Now I'm not saying, I'm not saying Kristen lost, but I definitely, I definitely won. No doubt about that. And when it comes to that word victory, the greatest adversary to overcome is the adversary that Paul talks about at the end of this passage we've been in, 1 Corinthians 15, and that's the ultimate adversary of death. The Bible is clear. Every single one of us is born a sinner. And without Jesus, without Jesus in our lives, not only is death the same adversary, we all will have the same final experience, physical death, and without Jesus in your life, spiritual death, eternal separation from God for eternity. But thanks be to God, as we'll learn today, that because of his son, Jesus Christ, we can have eternal victory through him. 
And in this passage as well, Paul reminds us that that eternal victory is to be demonstrated by Christ's church right now. Let's pray and ask God to lead us today. Father, we come before you and we just thank you for this time we have every weekend. In the midst of this COVID-19 situation, what a blessing through technology that we can still unite together in your word. And we always want to hear from you alone. So let the words that come out of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be honoring and pleasing to you, O God. We commit this time to you now in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you have your Bible app, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We've been walking along this journey of movable where, where Paul in this chapter shows us uh, the resurrection of Jesus and our resurrection to come because we are in Christ. And here's where we've gone. Week number one, we looked at the resurrection of Jesus. We saw Paul gave us three proofs of Jesus's resurrection. In week two, we looked at the resurrection of believers how our resurrection, that promise to come, is tightly bound to the resurrection of Jesus. Last week, we looked at five truths about the resurrected body. The, the, and remember, we were saying how those truths show how much God values us now, right? God designed me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He's going to transform me into the glorious body like Jesus. And he's the one who defines us, right? That amazing truth. And this weekend, the final weekend of this series, it's all about that word victory. Now, starting out in this, this final section, Paul answers what seems to be one final question. So he's already answered the question of what happens to believers who have died physically. And he says they will resurrect when Christ returns. But maybe one final question would be, what if you're alive? What if you're alive in your natural body when Jesus returns? Well, he answers that first. Look at verses 51 and 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery, meaning this was not revealed in the Old Testament, but now through Christ it has been revealed. We shall not all sleep, meaning we will not all die physically. Some will be alive when he returns, but we all will be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we all should, shall be changed. Paul says, don't worry. If you're alive, not all will sleep or die physically before his return, but we all will be changed. And in another letter to the Thessalonians, he says how the dead in Christ will rise first and immediately those who are alive will be transformed with them. In verse 52, it talks about how this will be the last trumpet. In the Old Testament with Israel, every time they heard the trumpet sound, that was a signal of the appearance of God. Paul says, when Jesus returns, that's the last trumpet. And we will forever in our resurrected state be in the presence of God. And think about it. People try their whole lifetime trying to avoid death and they fail. In one moment, Paul says, as quick as me blinking my eyes right now, Jesus will come and we will be resurrected. And then, then he says, we will have that final victory. Because here's the deal. Without Jesus, if you do not have Jesus in your life, what hope do you have? What hope do you have 
to have victory over this great adversary called death. The late renowned atheist Sigmund Freud put it this way. He admitted it. And finally, there is the painful riddle of death for which, which no remedy at all. He says there's no remedy has been found and nor probably ever will be. Believers say, you're wrong, Freud. We praise God because his word says this. The, the section we've been leading up to in this chapter, we read from Paul in 54 through 56, that when the perishable puts on the imperishable, when we rise up in that resurrected body and the mortal put on immortality, then shall come past the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The, death, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Here's what Paul does. He takes a few sections in the Old Testament from Isaiah and Hosea in the Old Testament. He puts them together to basically create this mockery song of death. He says when, when Jesus returns, sin and death, it won't just lose its power. It will literally be swallowed up never to exist again. If you're with us, and maybe, you, maybe you've joined us uh, during this time of, of COVID-19 through our online services, or, or you've been with us for some time, and if you've never trusted in Jesus, I want you to understand the magnitude of what we just read. The Bible says, since the fall of man, which we read in Genesis chapter 3, every person apart from Jesus is born a sinner. And because of sin... We receive the sting of death physically. Physically, we all will die one day. But if you've never trusted in Jesus, you will also experience the sting of spiritual death, eternal separation from God. And Paul says in verse 56 that, that the law, which is righteous by nature, God's word, it condemns us even more. Why? Because in our sinful depravity, everything we try to do, to earn God's favor, all we do is fall short. We're sinners by nature. We can never reach the, uh, the righteous perfection that God requires by his word. Isaiah put it this way in the Old Testament. He says, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags, speaking in light of eternity. For us to try to try to inherit that eternal victory through our righteous acts, man, that's like filthy rags to God. And scripture says, Therefore, we receive what we deserve. Romans 6.23. For the wages, what you earn, is death. We love you enough to just speak the truth to you today. If you think on your best moral effort or, or through some good work, such as I was baptized, though, as a baby, or, or you know what, my parents... They were Christians. I'm sure God will allow me eternal victory through them. You're deceiving yourself. And the devil, through the adversaries of sin and death, have you right where he wants you. Believing you can receive eternal victory your way instead of through the only way, which is through God's son, Jesus Christ. And that's the glorious picture 
we get in verse 57. This this verse we've been working up to where Paul says this, although death had sting, it seemed like death had victory. No, 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 no. But praise be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Memorize that verse. That's the beauty of the gospel. There is nothing a person can do to defeat death. Therefore, God loved you so much. He sent his son who took on flesh, lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. He died on the cross, was buried in the grave, and he rose again, conquering sin and death. And for believers, we have eternal victory, not by trusting in what we do, but by trusting in the work of Jesus. So the ultimate question for you, for your entire life, is you need to answer this question. Have you trusted in Jesus? If you're watching with family in a living room, if you're by yourself driving in the car, you need to answer this for yourself personally. Have you come to the point where you say, I know that I'm a sinner. There's nothing I can do, God, to earn my way back to you. Therefore, I believe that you did send your son who lived that perfect life that I could never live. And he died in my place. Therefore, I trust in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation. Paul put it simply like this in Romans 10:9. He says, man, if you just declare with your mouth this confession to God that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart, not head knowledge, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And on that, that sweet day when Jesus returns, we will inherit that final victory of being in his presence forever, right? What, what a chapter. I feel like Paul, if he was here right now, if he was here right now speaking to us, understanding what we're going through in this COVID-19 situation, he would take the mic and he would say, I just gave you 57 verses of promises from God for you are in Jesus. Never again when he returns will you experience sin and death. Never again a global pandemic like COVID-19. Never again will you experience the loss or mourn of a loved one. Never again will you have to execute wills because you worry about your loved ones being taken care of when you die. Never again depression, fear, anxiety, worry when Jesus returns Death and sin swallowed up, never again, game over. Eternal victory for believers in Jesus Christ. Man, can you picture that? Paul would say Corinthians and now Bible chapel, my brothers and sisters, game over, right? What a chapter. And he would just go mic drop time, right? Game over. Jesus wins. We win. It's over. And he would say, thank you guys. It's been a great series. I'm out of here. He would walk off, but then, then maybe Paul would remember he had one more verse in this section. He had one more verse, and it starts with this word. Therefore, if you read Paul's letters, he loves this verse. 
He will share amazing doctrine and truth. And he would always use this word, therefore, to pivot to now our responsibility as believers. Here in verse 58, Paul says, I just gave you 57 verses of all that God has done for you in church. It's time for you to respond. It's time for you to respond in light of your eternal victory. Here's what he does. He's done looking forward and he's asking you and I to take a hard look inward. And we see in this one verse, four ways that we can right now demonstrate our eternal victory in Jesus. And that's where we're going. So let's look at verse 58. Slowly walk through this together of how we can right now demonstrate our eternal victory. Here we go. He starts out, therefore, my beloved brothers. Now, that's not really a direct instruction, right? But we can't skip over this. Why? Because there's an intimacy here that we see in Paul's writing. Paul spent 18 months with the brothers and sisters in Corinth planting this church. He knew them intimately. He's not writing to strangers. He's not writing to new friends. He's writing to his intimate, dearly beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's the first thing. We demonstrate our eternal victory through the bond of Christian community. There is nothing like the bond of two believers. The union through the Spirit of God. Think about this. Think about this. The only relationship we're guaranteed to maintain and take into eternity is believer to believer. And when we live out the community and care that God calls for in the local church, we give the watching world a glimpse of the eternal victory we have in Jesus, of these relationships that we will carry over into the new heaven and the new earth. And there's nothing like it when it's working on all cylinders. Think about what the Hebrew author said in Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25. He says, let us consider how to stir up one another. Think about challenge one another. Keep one another accountable for love and good works. Don't neglect meeting together. Think COVID-19, right? COVID-19, we could say, you know what? See you in a few months, church. No, no, no. We're doing everything we can to keep our union together during this time but and continue encouraging one another. You guys have been remarkable in that. Encouraging, carry, and we do this, what? He says, do it all the more as you see the day when Jesus returns drawing near. Here's my question. Are you connected to Christian community? Do you have a local church where you've planted roots? Right now, right now at the Bible Chapel, even though we can't meet physically, every campus has digital ministry going on which you can connect to. Are you getting our 1215 devotionals that go out each day? Are you, have you joined us for our Wednesday prayer night? We had 400 people praying together Wednesday night. Have you, have you joined us Wednesday nights? Are you part of a digital discussion group? We launched these groups so you can have more intimate fellowship right now. Have you joined one of those? See, see, here's my fear these days in consumer Christianity that happens often. Too many people go to church but aren't truly connected to the church. They'll go for a weekend service, but that's all their connection is. And that's not true connection 
We need, all of us need, brothers and sisters in Christ now more than ever during this time of isolation. And through the bond of Christian community, man, what a witness to the watching world of what it looks like for believers to worship together, serve together, care for one another. If you don't have that in your life, we invite you to be part of our church family. What's holding you back? Here's all we ask you to do. If you go to biblechapel.org new, if you fill that out, we'll take it from there. We'll follow up with you. Make sure whatever campus is right for you across all our campuses around Pittsburgh and in the Bay, we'll get you connected to the right spot. And I want to say one more thing under this point. You know, during this COVID-19, there's been so many needs that have come up. And I want, to, I want to thank the Bible Chapel family for the way you're already demonstrating the care and connection and bond of Christian community. On our website right now, if you go there, there's two buttons. You can do I need help or I can help. If you're with us right now and you need help in any form or fashion, if you need someone to help you get groceries or urgent needs, or you're like, I just want to talk to someone, click that button. We have an army of people waiting to serve you. I was told we have so many people who have clicked the I can help button because that's who you are, Bible Chapel family. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you for already demonstrating our eternal victory in Jesus, the way we have stepped up to care for one another during this time. All right, let's keep going. Look at the rest of verse 58, the next one. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. That word steadfast means to be firm. Remember, the Corinthians, as we saw earlier in this letter, like many of the churches in the first century, they had false teachers who were trying to infiltrate the church, right? And divide them on truth, divide them on doctrine. This word reminds us that eternal victory is demonstrated with a steadfast commitment to the truth of God's word. If you go on social media right now or any digital platform, you're gonna see every pastor, teacher, and preacher from every denomination and every religion speaking what they claim to be truth. Question is, how do you know what they're saying is true? Honestly, how do you know what I'm saying is true? What's your filter to understand what is true and what is not. You know, truth is more important than ever. Why? Because we have a generation right now growing up under these influences. Relativism is the day and age right now. That says truth changes over time. There's no set absolute truths based off the culture and the time. Truth can change. Even worse now, we have individualism, which says truth is based off the individual. It's cool. It's cool if it's true for you and not for me. That's a self-defeating statement. If you want to cover that more, go check out our Absolute Truth sermon back in Relevant Faith. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. There is clear absolute truth right here. The unchanging, inerrant, inspired word of the living God. And we demonstrate, church, our eternal victory in Jesus by our commitment right here.
I think of what Paul told the Colossians when he said in chapter one, verse 23, if you're going to continue in the faith, church, be stable and steadfast. Do not shift from the hope of the gospel. Don't you dare shift from the good news and the truth of God's word. I'm going to ask you this question. Are you in God's word daily? Are you feeding yourself the truth of God's word? What disciplines do you have in your life to be in God's word? Ron, every day, Ron, every day, he's taking us through the Bible. Are you getting his daily devotionals? Again, you can sign up or you can go online on any of our Facebook group pages and get our campus devotions. And Ron and I, every day, 1215, we're sharing God's word to the congregation. And if you are new with us, you've been coming for some time and you have yet to go through Living Grounded, I'm gonna challenge you as Nike would say it, just do it. Like just do it. What are you waiting for? Please. Living Grounded is not just this prerequisite we have for membership. It is what we use to make sure every person who comes here is grounded in the truths of God's word. We would love, it's the perfect time to sign up for Living Grounded. Simply do this. Email us at livinggrounded at biblechapel.org and we will get you connected to the right spot. I mean, we want to be a church that proclaims and protects the absolute truth of God's word. One more, let's finish this verse. Two more, I'm sorry, immovable. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable. This is the theme of our series. The, the Corinthians were under heavy persecution. They were under heavy persecution and Paul encouraged them throughout his letter to remain steadfast in their trust in their immovable God. As believers, we all experience times of anxiety. We're not immune to the struggles of this life. Parents, I know right now, you're trying to work from home while getting your kids going on online learning. As we said earlier, some of you have lost your job or, or been furloughed. Students, right? You want to be with your friends. You're missing out on all the activities. I think about the seniors in high school and college. You feel like you've been robbed of your senior year. We're not immune to the daily struggles of this life. And, and what an opportunity to witness, to family, to friends, that even when we don't know the outcome of our trials, we're going to have unwavering trust in our immovable God. I love what the psalmist says. When we think about um, the, the worry that creeps in and, and at times we're gonna, we're gonna have that. The psalmist says, you're not guaranteed not to have bad news in your life, but that doesn't move us. He says, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. When someone asks you, how are you so calm? How are you so calm with all you're going through? You can say, I'm not perfect. I have days of worry and doubt like anyone else. But you know what? I rebound in my trust in the Lord because I know the end game. I have eternal victory in Jesus. And because Jesus wins, I win. One more. Here we go. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That word abounding literally means over and above. 
Paul is saying because we already have eternal victory in Jesus, we don't, re, we don't work to achieve that victory, but in response to the grace of God, we go over and above in our worship and service to the Lord. That's the last one we see. Man, we display our eternal victory through our over and above work for the Lord. When you hear that word work, think everything in your life. Everything you do is worship to God. So how can you this week go over and above in your marriage the way you treat your spouse? How can you go over and above in your parenting? Parents, more than ever, you're in charge of the spiritual development of your child. How can you go over and above in your parenting this week? Employees, right? You don't just work for your company. You're working unto the Lord. Christian employees should be the best employees. How can you go over and above in your work for the Lord this week? Students, man, you set the pace of excellence because as you approach your studies, it's unto the Lord. And more than anything, how can we go over and above in our service for the church of Jesus Christ? Can you say you are going over and above and serving your church? Can we all say that? I want to ask you, are you serving in the church? We have plenty of people, as I said, helping the immediate needs. So here's my, my final challenge on this one. Are you willing right now to say it's time to get in the game? I'm ready to go over and above with my time, talents, and treasures to serve my church because we are going to need all hands on deck. That glorious day when we're back together in a few weeks or a few months, man, we're going to need more people in children's, students, uh, young adults, sports, outreach, worship, tech. Think about it. Think about the digital ministry we're doing now across all our campuses. We're going to need more, more people helping us in our tech ministry. Are you in? Are you ready to go over and above in your service to the Lord? If you are, simple step, email us, serve at biblechapel.org. Even if you don't know where to go or where to start, we'll help you. We'll find out how God has wired you and gifted you and we'll get you plugged in to serve. Man, what a demonstration of our eternal victory when the church body comes together to serve together under the headship of Jesus Christ. When we think about... This amazing chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You know, going back to before I did the mic drop, I always wanted to do that, to be honest. So when Paul said 57 verses of all that Jesus Christ has done for you, and then that one verse that says, therefore, how do you respond? I was brought back to an illustration I've done before in the past, but it came to mind again this week. I want you to picture this gold rope, Okay. It's our eternity. It runs out of the South Hills Worship Center, goes down 19 to Washington, up 70 to Ross Straver, along to Monongahela to Wilkinsburg. No traffic right now, so easily gets through the Scroll Hill and Four Pit Tunnels up to Robinson, goes all the way down to Florida and connects to all of you around the world listening to us now. And guess what? It keeps going. Paul says, God has all that covered. He, I've covered all of this. I've covered your eternal victory in Jesus. And in verse 58, he says, I'm just asking you give me this. Your limited time here on earth, I'm asking you in response to all this that I have covered, be connected to other brothers and sisters. 
be committed to the truth of my word. Be immovable, unwavering. Even, I know the season has been tough. Don't lose your trust in me. Seek out help from a brother or sister if you need it. And go over and above in your time, talents, and treasures to serve my church. And when you do that, as we're about to sing, we will proclaim to a lost world that death has been arrested. Sin and death will one day find its end when Christ returns. And when we live in that manner now, as the song we're about to sing says, we'll proclaim, we'll proclaim to a lost world, we're free. We're free. Forever we are free. And we invite you today. Come join the song of the redeemed.